Hello and welcome back, faithful listeners, to season two of the CDI podcast. I'm Shelby Fiegel, director of the University of Central Arkansas Center for Community and Economic Development. Today, I'm extremely excited to be joined by Matt Dunn, executive director and founder of the Center on Rural Innovation, also known as Corey. Matt is joining us all the way from Vermont, making him officially the first. And Matt, I had to look this up on Google because I did not know what people from Vermont were called. So I did learn you're a Vermonter. So you're our our first Vermonter on the show. Um, And I also want to plug in that Matt's going to be our featured uh, CDI 2021 keynote speaker for our institute that's going to take place August 2 through 6. Matt, thank you so much for joining us today. I'll be delighted to be here. Okay, so Matt, I'm going to get right into the thick of things, get started on our questions we have for you. Um, So Matt, you have an extremely diverse experience just from what I've read on your bio on your website. Uh, So can you please share with our audience today uh, your story? How did you get where you are? Sure. Uh, So I grew up in a uh, small rural town in uh, Heartland, Vermont, uh, which was dairy and machine tool when I was growing up. Uh, and, you know, experience firsthand uh, what happens when uh, industries and economies shift or machine tool largely uh, went away uh, over, you know, course of 20 years. Uh, and dairy contracted from having, you know, 25 dairy operations in our, our small town to uh, today, uh, three or four. Uh, so, you know, watched as those those transitions happened in, in pretty abrupt ways. Uh, went off to college uh, by, by some strange occurrence, got elected to the legislature from my hometown straight out of, uh, of graduating and focused intently on economic development uh, because uh, my region was going through a crisis at that time. And I wanted to see if there were ways that the, the levers of public policy could help affect that. It's a part-time legislature in Vermont, so I uh, concurrently had a career in in tech, uh, joining a company that was founded in Wilder, Vermont, uh, to serve commercial printers worldwide. And so the notion of rural and technology uh, just was a natural to me. I, I couldn't imagine anything else. Uh, and w- w- did did both of those things for a while. Eventually, was asked by the Clinton administration uh, to become the head of AmeriCorps Vista. Uh, and build out those efforts, particularly in areas of bridging the digital divide and uh, entrepreneurship as ways of empowering people out of poverty. Uh, Came back, uh, served two terms uh, in the state Senate while working at Dartmouth College, uh, and then was recruited by Google uh, to create their community affairs program from scratch. Uh, and it almost didn't happen because we, you know, got into the negotiations. They were intrigued that I had a tech background and had worked on a national stage and understood public policy and all of that. And then they said, how soon can you move to Mountain View, California? And I said, never. And they were completely flummoxed. They had no, I mean, everybody wants me. And I said, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not going. And so, Several months went by then, and I hadn't heard from them, and thought maybe I had, you know, missed this little opportunity. Uh, they then had completely botched uh, the entry uh, into a rural community in Western North Carolina, where they were putting in a data center. Got sued, and they called me up and said, "We don't care where you live if you can be in Lenore, North Carolina, next week." And I said, "You bet!" And uh, off we went, and was able to open a small office in. Uh, in White River Junction, Vermont, uh, for Google, uh, which exists uh, to this day. And then in in 2016, 
Uh, I tried to get back into politics in Vermont. It was not the year to do it. Uh, and uh, so as I was trying to explore what it, you know, how, how I could make a difference with that, um, I think you were kind in how you uh, described my career. Uh, it, it was, it's been a circuitous one, certainly all, all over the place. But the real thing that I'm, I'm passionate about is empowering uh, rural communities through progressive capitalism and finding ways to be able to allow uh, folks to have agency, uh, good paying jobs, and ones that are resilient in the, in the face of change. And I had also witnessed over the, the, the prior 10 years uh, what had become known as the rural opportunity gap, uh, which was the divide between rural and urban places during the recovery from the Great Recession, where urban places came roaring right back and rural places not so much. So that even as of January of 2020, before the pandemic, not even a majority of rural communities had gotten back to their pre-recession levels. And so when we dug into it, we saw that there were three main drivers of this, uh, automation of traditional rural jobs, globalization, both through policy, but also technology that would allow you to create a, uh, a value chain uh, with folks anywhere in the world, not just looking for lower cost labor uh, in rural places, because that's the way that, that used to work, but you could do the same kind of collaboration and supply chain you know, with Shanghai. Uh, and the third was uh, the decline of entrepreneurship in rural America that had happened for the preceding uh, 30 years. And so when the economic shock of the recession hit, uh, automation accelerated as people were trying to deliver goods and services less expensively. Uh, globalization accelerated as they were looking for lower cost labor anywhere in the world. And the decline in entrepreneurship meant that there wasn't a farm team of new companies to come in when uh, you know com other companies just go away, which they naturally do when those cycles hit, but you, you just didn't have them to come in behind. And, and so you saw a lot of jobs being created in the US during that period of time, um, many of them in technology. In, in fact, you could account for a lot of, a lot of the, the, the gap just in, in technology jobs, um, but almost exclusively created in urban places and the jobs that were removed were almost exclusively removed in rural. And, and you also saw that the companies that were creating those jobs were in firms that were less than 10 years old. So it was really the, the upstarts, the new companies that were trying different ways, usually to leverage technology, uh, to be able to deliver goods and services uh, to people. So we decided the best way to address that problem uh, was to hit it head on and to work with inspiring rural communities that had already made the decision that they wanted to build that kind of digital economy ecosystem and to help accelerate them, provide the uh, assessment work so that they knew where they stood now, uh, provide some support on infrastructure uh, to make sure that they got uh, you know, basic things like high-speed internet, uh, and, and then to help them through a strategic planning process to make sure they had all of the operational pieces to support a scalable uh, technology startups, but also technology training, access to capital, and then to create a tech culture that was uh, inclusive, 
uh, you know, actually not making the same mistakes that they made in uh, in, in Silicon Valley and Cambridge, Massachusetts, uh, but actually have it be inclusive uh, from day one, uh, and then create the the place and space to make that happen, and and then and then create uh, eventually a network uh, of these communities, a community of practice uh, where they can share what's working and what's not working, and where we can then bring national caliber resources and partnerships, whether it's legal services or a new uh, uh, full stack developer training program to those communities at scale and really continue their journey in building that kind of economy for the future. Thanks, Matt. And I wanna, I have two, two things that I wanna mention. Um, via that question. Uh, we just started an AmeriCorps VISTA program at UCA. So I wanted to let you know that's been fantastic. We've actually been placing VISTA members in communities across the state uh, via UCA. And it's been a really unique experience for us and a great way for us to follow up with communities that we've done strategic planning processes in. Um, and then um, as well, I think that what you described in that answer um, is really going to speak to our audience. And I think that, um, you know, you don't want to put a blanket over rural places and say that all uh, rural places experience the same things. But I think a lot of what you said is going to really resonate um, with, with people in the cities across our state. Um, and even those that are listening that might be in uh, the Mid-South region. And uh, you kind of already answered my next question, but I do want to just follow up. Um, you know, some of our audience is probably not familiar with Corey. This is probably their first time being exposed to the work you all do. Um, so is there anything else you want to add about your organization um, and its mission and vision and maybe some of the work that specific projects you've even worked on in the state? Sure. So, you know, the, the Center on Rural Innovation uh, that, that we stood up and its partner entity, Rural Innovation Strategies, uh, has been growing gangbusters. Uh, you know, it's you know the pandemic has been uh, quite rugged on rural places. Um, you know, the the shutdown from the pandemic uh, has disproportionately hit rural jobs, particularly in places that are dependent on tourism. Uh, and and our hospitals and rural places that were already strapped uh, are really feeling the strain of having um, the, the the kinds of uh, surges uh, that a pandemic creates or, you know, entire floors of teams that have to go into quarantine, right? And, uh, you know, what I hear from my friends in the city was, well, why don't you just have the next, you know, group of physicians take over that round? And I have to remind them there's only one, you know, there's only one group. Um, so th these, it's, it's been rough. Uh, but there's also been, you know, a little bit of a bright spot. Uh, which is that it turns out uh, broadband remote work and rural are a thing in a pandemic. Uh, and I think it's opened people's eyes uh, to the fact that you can do work in a distributed way and that, uh, you know, squeezing more and more people into uh, already uh, overcrowded and, and high priced cities may not be the solution uh, for the long term. And, and so we've we've been able to uh, you know work with our network uh, to help surface best practices, uh, get the word out about what these kinds of communities look like and what they're doing, uh, and and contribute to uh, thought leadership uh, that's happening throughout the country 
uh, whether it's on a real way to build uh, the Marshall Plan for broadband uh, so that it becomes something that everyone has access to, uh, or uh, to be able to explore how you can have a more equitable and, and distributed uh, technology economy. And so that's, that's been an exciting uh, thing for us. Uh, about a third of our team is distributed uh, and, and uh, the other part work out of this uh, old former uh, uh, store building, uh, general store building uh, here in Heartland Three Corners um, that happens to have gigabit speed internet um, because of the local telephone company just stepping up and making that happen. So that's, that's the organization um, we do. We have a, a data and, and mapping team uh, because we feel it's super important to ground the work that we do and that policymakers do uh, in, in the reality of, of what's on the ground. Uh, we have a team that works directly with communities on building their strategies uh, and not, not doing it for them, um, but doing that really important capacity building work. Uh, so they have ownership and that we're not pretending that there's a cookie cutter uh, to be able to do this, that every community has incredible assets that should be leveraged as they're building this kind of uh, a, a, an ecosystem. Uh, and then we have a team that's diving into what we're calling our, our knowledge practice uh, as folks are wanting more and more research on what's actually happening in rural, uh, what are the challenges and what are the potentials uh, we're, we're being asked to, to contribute uh, to that. So we just had a, a new person start today, but we have, um, a lot of positions that we're trying to fill uh, to make sure that we're keeping up with the demand and and meeting this rural moment. Yeah, uh, thank you for uh, going into that deep dive. And I want to dive a little bit deeper than that. And I I don't want to ruin Matt's keynote at CDI. Um, so we'll just do the 10,000 foot view of some of these questions. And you've already hit, touched on this a little bit, but rural communities, you know, really struggle with developing that digital economy. Um, and so they are really in need of organizations uh, like yours to come in and just provide them with those resources that they need to facilitate that process and building out that digital economy. Um, so what are just a few strategies that you all at CORE utilize to assist communities in that process? Yeah, I would say, Core to it is uh, first an assessment of being able to come in and help a community understand where they are right now. Uh, and sometimes there's pleasant surprises. Uh, a community won't realize that the university that's nearby uh, is already commercializing uh, intellectual property that they're creating in, in the lab or uh, in the classroom, uh, or that they actually have more people who are taking computer science or IT uh, classes um, than most rural places have. And those, those are nice discoveries uh, to be able to make. Uh, the other thing that we do is we actually work with uh, LinkedIn data to see how many technologists might already be in the area. And that's also sometimes a, a pleasant surprise. And they may be working out of their spare bedroom uh, for either as an independent contractor on a you know GitHub kind of a uh, basis uh, or for big global companies, they just have managed to negotiate uh, to be able to do it where they want to be. Uh, and so getting that understanding uh, in a detailed way, we feel is the important first step. We then go through a very, very intense uh, strategy process 
which is usually you know six six eight weeks of uh, real work on the part of the stakeholders in the community, uh, as well as our team being able to, to guide them through and bring some best practices and frameworks to that um, to make sure that they're hitting all the pieces of the ecosystem. Uh, because you, you can't just do one piece, right? What we found is if you come in with you know, computer science and coding training, rural folks take to it really, really well. But if you just do that, what happens is they move. And that doesn't solve the problem at all. So uh, we, we believe that you have to do the work on helping to stand up uh, new companies uh, that are uh, developing tech that can scale uh, to be able to complement the tech training uh, and create places and spaces to, to generate that density, uh, which you can do in a rural place in our beautiful downtowns all across the country, but you have to be intentional about it. So we help with that strategy. And then we work with communities on how to get the resources to implement that, that strategy. We are not going to be the organization that creates plans that then sit on a shelf. We, we wanna make sure that these communities then can take that work and that momentum, turn it into uh, the kinds of uh, fundraising efforts, either from local foundations, local companies, states, and, and also applying for uh, EDA fundings, Economic Development Administration resources that are dedicated to this kind of work. Uh, but rural places have not realized that they would qualify or they could put together the kind of complicated application that would be necessary. Uh, and we, we help them with that process. We don't write the grants for them, uh, but provide that coaching to put their best foot forward. And we've been pretty successful in, in working with communities on that front. So that's, that's, a, that's, that's our theory of change for being able to get to that place. Um, and then beyond that, we, we have them be a part of a network where we provide support. Again, these kinds of larger um, partnerships that we can provide, you know, uh, scholarships for Udacity programming or, uh, you know, other, other kinds of accelerator uh, assistance and, and those kinds of things. Uh, and, and also helping with narrative shift. Uh, we did a, a series of three short films uh, with funding from uh, the Walmart Foundation to be able to highlight the incredible work that these communities are already doing. Frankly, they were doing it before we ever showed up. We're just helping them to go faster and we're getting the word out uh, because so often uh, folks in urban centers don't think this is possible. Uh, and sometimes even in rural communities, they struggle to dare, right? They, 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 they know in their heart that this should be doable, um, but they've just faced such challenges, particularly over the last decade, that they need to know that someone else has actually shown that this is possible. And so we, we've been out there doing that work uh, and sharing those kinds of stories uh, because it's, it's important for all the other pieces uh, to be effective. I love that message of empowerment that you all drive communities with. I think that's the core of, like you said, making change in rural places is you can do it <laughs> and the road might be a little bumpy, but you can get there. Um, and I want to go back to uh, something that you said that leads into my next question 
of, you know, developing uh, a lot of people start to develop their workforce. Um, and you mentioned, you know, but it's hard to uh, get people to stay in that community when you start to create that process. And, um, you know, I, and you mentioned Walmart, this is a great example of um, an entrepreneur in Arkansas that created one of the largest company um, in the country. And um, how, how do we get back to that? How do we make our rural communities more entrepreneurial friendly? I, I think part of it is making sure we tell those stories, uh, you know, and and that those stories can be updated and modernized. I mean, I think everyone uh, knew the, the 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 Walmart story because it's been well shared. You know, in Vermont, uh, you know, John Deere was a Vermonter, even though he decided to go to you know Iowa and Illinois, whatever. But you know, we we all know about those those historic examples of you know, rural people with grit. And some of the things that I think you learn in a small town environment about how to look at the scarce resources and pull them together or how to solve a particular problem, whether it's mechanical or marketplace, because, you know, it's just you, right? It's you, 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 you have to work with what you have. And, and unfortunately, I think those, those concepts have gotten lost as the type of economy has shifted. And it's unfortunate because there is no reason that that same kind of ingenuity and grit uh, can't be a part of entrepreneurs solving global market problems or even global social problems from rural places, right? That, and, and in the age of the internet, there should be no limit to where digital economy of jobs and entrepreneurship can take place, right? Now, you have to solve for the broadband. It's it's absolutely critical. So um, you know it, it is it is the electricity of our time, and when we saw as a nation a divide coming about because uh, some parts of the country had electricity and some didn't, we took action. Right? We did the Rural Electrification Act, uh, gave out you know, fifty year loans uh, to be able to bring that kind of infrastructure to farmers and to local manufacturers uh, who were at a disadvantage compared to uh, places in the city that had access to more robust uh, electrical capacity. And that unlocked an era of economic success in rural places, in manufacturing, in more advanced agriculture, uh, in all kinds of different things. We're in that same place today. And I think that the Congress and states uh, and the new administration need to step up in the same way uh, that folks stepped up uh, in, in the 30s. And it is, it is time. And if we do that, and we do the so what of broadband and make sure everyone knows that just because there hasn't been a, a lot of entrepreneurship talked about in sort of modern kinds of technologies in rural, it, it can happen and it is happening and we can keep it going even faster and stronger and that we need to uh, because we need to have uh, ownership of production in the age of automation across the entire country, not just in certain locations. Well, Matt, I know that that's exactly what my audience wants to hear is the adv advocacy for broadband. I mean, it's the number number one issue and in the state, um, or if it's not the number one issue, it's in the top three um, for communities, depending on um, the challenges that they're facing. Um, and I definitely agree and think that, um, you know, what you shared is really the, um, 
the pie in the sky, the silver lining of where we need to go and um, to make everybody um, equitable um, in, in the, in the economy, um, that, that we have currently. And, uh, with that, Matt, like I said, I'm trying to, these were great little nuggets of information, I think, to give a sneak peek at, um, your keynote delivery at CDI 2021. Um, and those were all the questions I had for you today. Um, and I want to thank you for sharing, uh, with me and our audience, um, and for taking time, I know you have a very busy schedule. Like you said, you're, you guys are all over the place and we're just so excited to have you on the podcast. And after the cancellation of CDI 2020, I know that I'm sharing with all of our CDI participants that we are ready to get back in the saddle and can't wait to return and, um, hear your keynote delivery at CDI 2021. Sure. Well, I mean, our, our, our network includes Pine Bluff. Uh, and we've had the uh, chance to, to, to be in Arkansas a, a few times, even though we've, uh, we're still early uh, in our uh, organization's life. Uh, and so look forward to, to coming back uh, and being a, a participant. Well, we're definitely going to get you connected when you come down here to a lot of diverse uh, leaders throughout the state. And I want to share with our audience that on upcoming episodes, the CDI podcast will feature CDI graduates and participants, speakers, community partners, and community and economic development effort experts from across Arkansas and the Mid-South and nationally now that we got Matt on here. And we hope you join us next week on the CDI podcast.